shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Who is it? There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Is this some kind of a joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the Lord of the Dead. Welcome to Definitely First Blood. My name is Mitch. And I'm Christopher. And we are a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and sometimes today. And this is our final Halloween episode. Ever. We're never doing another one. For this year. Yeah. We might do an episode next week. It's We're... We might we'll go see. see The Lighthouse this weekend. Oh, yeah. So we might have like a short review of that, um, but we're not sure yet. Rather than a full length. Yeah. Epi. Exactly. So we can celebrate Halloween. Exactly. In our own way. How are you? I know you're sick. Yes, I'm sick. Or starting to get sick. So if uh, the gloss is off this podcast, <laughs> uh, you'll know why. I know, yeah. I'm speaking very quietly. Sorry. Sorry, I was pointing to the screen mm-hmm. to show him his low audio levels. Here, I'll get right up. Because we're close. professionals. Um, mm-hmm. We watched a movie together yesterday. I saw Zombieland last weekend by myself, a solo date. Yeah. It was You, yourself, good. and you. I, I liked Zombieland, too. I think it was good. I think it was a good follow-up. Um, I really liked the new characters that they added um criticisms i feel like they didn't give rosario dawson enough screen time and you can say especially to like care about her character you can say that about any movie that's true i really like the character of zoe she was probably my fave and then extraordinary i don't think i would call that a horror movie but it's horror adjacent it's like horror themes what we do in the shadows yeah sort of kind of yeah like that I mean, not at all in terms of form. It's but Irish. It, it was very good. Which is good. It's about a, a woman with supernatural talents, and she has to help a dude save his daughter. And he also has supernatural talents. Yeah. And are they complimentary? You'll have to watch the movie to find out. It was really good. <laughs> it, was, it was heartwarming. It was it beautiful. Was fun. It was funny a lot of the time, like yes. genuinely funny. I think we both laughed 
actually a couple times. Oh yes, it said um, in well, I don't want to call it English because it's Irish, Irish. The Irish humor, <laughs> yeah, where it's like more passive aggressive and oh, exactly, one hundred percent subtle, the best. Um, and I know you read a new Stephen King novella, right? Yes, I listened to a very tight place, which. Is I don't know. I really enjoyed it. The sequel to A Quiet Place. Yes. Yeah. The, this it's time, instead space. of being deaf, they're just claustrophobic. Yeah. So they can only survive in wide open vistas. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, until, look out, it's a big monster that loves to hug you and put you in a little box and keep you in there. Uh, sorry. Go on. I'm sorry for interrupting you. It's cool, man. Uh, it was a really good... I don't know. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I won't get into too much detail, but it was very disgusting which i really enjoyed in this particular context if not what it was actually how long about. is it i like you were telling me I about would it i'd say the audiobook is probably like 4 hours long okay yeah so what constitutes a novel versus a novella uh length usually but like the transition i don't know is dependent i guess there wasn't really like this huge uh like and then this happened and then okay. this happened yeah. and then this happened. Okay, gotcha. Like the sort of stuff like he usually writes in those sorts of things where it's like right. this long and meandering <laughs> series of events that are all interconnected. Whereas this was like a little bit more like a shotgun. When you were telling me about it, you seemed really like you were enjoying it, so that's good. It was. I mean, it's not really my thing, but it was re really well written. Uh, for, I mean, I don't think Stephen King is the best writer in all in some of his older ones. Uh, I don't know. The characters just don't seem realistic. But They're largely entertaining. Though, these right? one, yeah, definitely. These characters, while still definitely entertaining, it felt a little bit more grounded. That's good. Yeah. So out of out of star numbers, I'd give it ten out of thirteen skulls. Nice, perfect. Yeah. How very festive of you. Very spooky. <laughs> They're not even my skulls. And ah. today we're doing a follow up of our. I guess our last Halloween episode from last Halloween, yeah. which was Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. So we're doing Halloween 2 today. It's the second Halloween in the series. I always forget how good it is. I I think... It's very good. I prefer this one to the original one. Really? In turn, I found this one mm. had the potential to be genuinely scary, whereas the first one less so to me. To me. Interesting. To me. Where you're allowed to have personal taste, it's just man. to me. It's just the first one's a classic. Me, this one was just like the tension was a lot more. Uh, well, I, think, I agree I with like that one. More like when it really got going, it was like, oh no, oh I, no. I feel like in terms of what slashers were in 1981, following Halloween, this one is like top of the pile oh, in terms of yes. that kind of slasher. Whereas exactly. Halloween is sort of. It doesn't know what it is yet. You know what I mean? It's like it's a. I really love Halloween. It's. I, I think. I think it's a better movie, but I. I don't think it's quite a slasher as these ones are. You know yeah. what I mean? And you know what? It's going to be really hard. Anytime a movie takes place in a hospital. Because it's a hospital. Exactly. I mean, Grey's Anatomy, they have to, oh, look at these giant vistas. All the patient rooms are big enough to accommodate <laughs> 18 cameras and whatever. They, hospitals on TV, I feel like, always look like um, like reporter offices in movies, where it's just like yeah. all glass, all windows, uh -huh. like arching uh, architectural metalwork. Yeah, I feel like in... it's Everything's a loft. Dr. House, MD House... He like the patient walls were all glass. I never have completely. Seen a single episode. I feel like they were in several episodes, and that's just bad <laughs> confidentiality. So this movie was written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill again, coming mm -hmm. back from the first. Um, it's directed by Rick Rosenthal, who mostly went on to do television, like Providence. He did a couple episodes of Buffy, Smallville. He even has an Allian uh, Smithy credit. Interesting. For the birds, too. And uh, the burdening. This is not his only Halloween movie. He directed the atrocious Halloween Resurrection, which he probably also should have used in Alan Smithy for. The differences between those two, these two movies, whoa. Night and day. Night and day. <laughs> 
but I feel like Halloween Resurrection was that digital by then. Mm, what year I'm was not that? sure. It was guess. like 2000, oh, maybe. Okay, it's a tough time for making movies. I'm not sure of the exact the exact year. No, no worries. And this guy has a bunch of returning cast members from the first movie. We have Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie, Donald Pleasance as Loomis, Charles Cyphers as uh, Sheriff Brackett. Nancy Stevens is Marion Chambers, the nurse from the first one, and Nancy Loomis, aka Nancy Keys, in a cameo as Annie's body. Oh, yeah. It looked like they shot that on a soundstage and just stuck it in there. And then there's a whole bunch of new casts. We've got Lance Guest as Jimmy. He was in The Last Starfighter, which I watched a lot as a kid, and also Jaws. The Last Starfighter has, mm. I can't remember her name, but she was um, the brown-haired one from Night of the Comet. Okay, yeah. Regina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dick Warlock is Michael. He's a very famous stunt person. Anna or uh, Anna Alicia Ortiz is Janet. Tawny Moyer is Jill. Pamela Susan Shoup as Karen. Susan Shoup. Pamela Susan Shoup. Great name. <laughs> and even though Jamie Lee is the star of this movie, she only has 25 minutes of screen time. Wow, she's like uh, Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of the same thing. I think she got top billing too, and it was just like... Hey, she deserves it with some of this stuff, especially at the end when she's like animalistic, crawling around. One hundo P. Excellent work, Miss Curtis. And Hat on the back, I'm sure you need it. This picks up right where we left off. It gives us like the last five minutes or so of Halloween. And then we get some new scenes um, where we see that Michael didn't die, but he left the perfect imprint of his body in the grass. Perfect. And it's all blood, baby. Loomis, all blood. Remember Loomis like goes down and like puts his hand in it. It's like, ooh. Oh, I didn't think. Uh, Oh, I think it was just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ectoplasm slime. It's black icor from his soul. So Loomis goes out to the neighborhood, and one of the neighbors comes out, and he's been trick-or-treated to death tonight. Uh, Excuse me. Which we know to be bullshit, because he didn't answer his... Unless it is the same guy who answered I think you mean figuratively. He didn't say literally, but like... (laughs) But like Loomis is being extra like you he sounds like a crazy person in this whole movie he's a crazy person. He has quite the line where he says, "You don't know what death is." He's also which is apparently verbatim from the novelization of the first movie. Like it's something from in the novelization of the first mm, movie written by someone mm, not John Carpenter or Dipper Hill. I vividly remember going into a used bookstore that was almost exclusively paperback pulp. Okay. Almost exclusively. I don't know if it was like a rare collection of them or whatever. And I don't know how old I, I must have been eight. And they had the novelization of Halloween. Whoa. And it, like with the, the knife as the pumpkin mm-hmm. melting yep. into it. I vividly remember that. <laughs> nice. I'm jealous. I didn't buy it or anything, but I looked at it. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> I still get mad because my uh, family threw out my scream halloween mask Original. from the 90s that i know had the fun world stamp on the inside the scream one because like, <sighs> i constantly time. had to empty my sweat out of the chin <laughs> because it was so hot in there that i would i was like sweating buckets you should have saved the sweat for ritual i guess i should have so then we get the the setup for our first blood of halloween too yes. Michael wanders around the neighborhood. Dogs hate him. He even sees Loomis talking to Bracket. Oh, very convenient. And then there's the old couple who they're making late night sandwiches. She's, well, I guess it's evening ish, right? Like, yeah. It's supposed to be around 10. They haven't come back. Yeah, I think it is because the nurse is like, oh, 15 minutes late, like that sort of stuff. Yeah. Anyways, um, they're making ham sandwiches. I like that she gives him options of condiments and stuff. And they're watching uh, Night of the Dead or Night of the Living. I want to see a supercut of all the times that that's on TV in film and TV. It's because it's royalty free. Oh, I know. Like it's man. public domain. I know, but like, I wonder how much of the movie you could just watch <laughs> through watching other movies. Probably and, not very much. And Michael takes this off. Op- I feel like it's always the. Um, coming, they're coming to get bar, you, Barbara. But, yeah. 
Anyway, Michael takes this opportunity to steal their knife. Their murder. Why is she using this giant knife? I guess maybe she had to cut the bread. It was the 70s. They didn't have small knives. Sliced bread. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just a giant serrated knife. And he leaves a little calling card. More of his goo. His bloody bits in there. Yeah, the news report for the murders comes on the TV, which thankfully distracts them. Yeah. The old woman watches it, and then it goes right back to Night of the Dead, or Night of the Living Dead. Yep. So she goes to go get her knife, but then she finds all of this blood all over her ham sandwich. It's like a direct, like, oh no, he was right behind me. I think that's me. a pretty scary idea, though, right? Well, I love, that is used so much in this movie, and it's so, so, so effective. Where you just, the scariest things is the things you don't notice are even there until after. The things that they don't notice are yeah. even there. Or like, oh, well, we're getting up to it. But I don't know, there was a lot of it. I feel like... Hereditary did an especially good job of adopting a lot of the tricks used in this movie. Okay. When you like the you can barely see them in the dark sort of oh, thing. Oh true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh the you know, seeing what's going on in the background, like blinking you'll miss Yeah, it they used that a lot in this movie. It, it worked really yeah. well though. It looked really good. So effective, and we were lucky we had a very high definition copy of it. Yeah, man. So it looked even better. Good thing for Michael wandering this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Well, he's barely wandering. But uh, there's a teenage girl close by for him to murder Alice. She, out of the goodness of her heart, goes to check on her neighbors because she hears the scream from the blood (laughs) sandwich. And then she's talking on the phone and to her friend about it. And she's like, he probably started beating her. Yeah, you know, he probably just got fed up. (laughs) No, seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, weird speculation. This is projection, I feel. Like, this is telling us a lot more about her, I feel like, than Probably. about her neighbors. Her friend tells her about the murders. It's everywhere. In Orange Grove. <gasps> and she's like, well, that's right down the street. Uh, Let me quickly flick on the radio. Yeah. And the police have cordoned off the entire area. To repeat... Three teenagers have been found murdered in a house in the northwest section of Haddonfield. The names of the teenagers have not been released. I can't believe it. Of their I know. You know, we probably know her. Where did it happen? Down on Orange Grove. That's right down the street. I know. Sally, I can hear the sirens coming. They said the guy got away. Do they know who it was? No. And in the background, there's a spooky noise. Ah, and then when she gets back on the phone, we see the shape come in behind her. She goes to investigate and uh, does one of those classic movie. Hello, Hello. who's there? And then she gets super killed. She gets stabbed with the sandwich knife from behind. No, from the front. From the front. Yeah, he like grabs her and then stabs her in the neck. Oh, yeah. She didn't have a good time with that. Another pretty scary idea, right? Very scary. I mean, just turning around and your front door being open after learning of murders. Yikes. In your area, local murderers want to hook up with you. I do like the slow burn of the beginning of this movie, you know? Like, I like the buildup before the first kill. I feel like the time between... Kills speeds up a little bit as the movie goes on. Oh, of course. So it really strings you along nicely. We see the first responders wheel out Lori Stroud. We meet Jimmy, the paramedic. Uh, Lori doesn't want them to put her to sleep for obvious reasons. Yeah, so she can stay vigilant. (laughs) And Jimmy knows Lori because she goes to school with his brother. Yeah. And they have this whole, like, romantic thing going on throughout the whole movie. I felt... It felt... The first interaction where it's after her surgery felt so inauthentic. It was weird. She's terrified, and then she wakes up from surgery. And she's just like, yeah. Oh, I would like... Anyways, (laughs) sorry. They bring her to the hospital, Mm -hmm. and we get a scene where this kid gets there with his mom, Mm -hmm. and he got the whole razor blade in the apple thing that never actually happened. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Into his gums, ouch. Pull the razor blade I out. like that we do get closure on them, though, because we do see them leave later. And I feel like she was a very good mom. She was very calm the whole time. Yes. She was just like, okay, sweetie, come on. I would have been gonna panicking. go in there. 
And then afterwards, she's like, oh, it's okay. We'll, we'll go home. We'll play some games. Yeah. Uh, I can't understand a word you're saying, and that's okay. <laughs> Thank God, for yeah. once. I'm probably the one who did this, because now you finally shut up, yeah. Devin. <laughs> oh, and everyone's going to feel so <laughs> badly for me. Long-suffering mom. They get Lori inside, and then we meet more of the cast. There's Nurse Jill, Mrs. Alves, who's like the... Uh, the head nurse. Yeah, she's like that one in Grey's Anatomy that everyone hated. Like, <laughs> I'm the lead resident, and you're all you're all not up to snuff. Another Grey's Anatomy reference. I know nothing about that show. It happens in a hospital, <laughs> so there's a couple of overlaps. Janet, the candy striper, mm-hmm. and Dr. Mixter, who just got back from the country club party, and he's drunk. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I guess that happened all the time. It seems dangerous to me. They do a very graphic shot of the needle going in when they're sedating her, which really gave me the heebie-jeebies. Me too, but I guess it's sort of like she's already been stabbed once by this guy, and now we got some other people stabbing her. Almost broken. Uh, The cracked bone because the knife hit the bone. Oh, I thought that was in her leg from when she fell down the stairs. Probably. That was my understanding. Very scary. And they end up putting her to sleep despite her reservations. Well, they're like, oh, it's a stab wound. We better put her under. They say lazily treating her. (laughs) Come on, get me a sock. Get me um, some, get me another drink. You know, like what? Yeah. He's so bad at this. He's, this is the last we see of him though. Until later. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the last we see him alive. That's true. That's very true. And at the same time, Loomis and Brackett, they're still out patrolling the streets at this point. Uh, I think you forget Loomis is proudly waving around his Second Amendment rights in, <laughs> in his face, the other guy's face, just being like, la, la, la. And they see poor Ben Bennett Tramer yeah. dressed as Michael. Well, he's not dressed as Michael. He has the same costume as Michael, except he has blonde hair. Yeah, and like he's just like, oh, I'm walking away. Yeah, they because he's drunk, and they yeah. start chasing him, and then he ends up getting pinned by another police car and dying a very fiery, explosive death. Yeah, not the way I would want to go. And while they're watching the body burn, Brackett gets the news that they found three bodies in the. Wallace House. Here's an and, interesting thing. Yeah. They refer to Tommy's house as the Doyle House, across from the Doyle House. They don't call it the Wallace House. Hmm. And Lindsay and Tommy are both like probably super fucked up right now. Like <laughs> why they're not at the same hospital yeah. is beyond me. That's a great point. Oh well. But anyway, so too late now. He gets the news that one of them was his daughter, Annie. One of the three of them. Yikes. So they still haven't even yeah. found Alice yet. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and so he goes, ah, is that hideously burned lump of charcoal him, Loomis? You know, you can do your burned yeah, flesh Yeah, Loomis is sort of like rubbing his eyes. He doesn't. What? But I mean, I get it. He's rubbing on adrenaline. He just shot a guy six times who then did not die. Oh, yeah. And then he (laughs) almost shot this kid, but was thankfully prevented from doing so. When he got pinned by a police Can you imagine if he just shot this kid? burned alive. He would be like, thank you for shooting me so I didn't get hit by that car and get burned (laughs) alive. When it, like, apparently hit a van filled with gasoline everywhere. I don't know how stuff blew up back then. And then dot, 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 ellipses... Ugh, such a cruel ellipsis. Jimmy goes to see Lori in her room, and they're very flirty. Yeah. It is kind of creepy that he just, like, sort of watched her for a second. He's wearing basically the exact same thing as Michael Myers when you think (laughs) about it. It's like blue coveralls. And the first thing she's like, oh, it's you, the guy who's going to give me a Coca-Cola and protect me later in the movie. What? Mrs. Elvez comes in and... We get right away. She's very serious. Mm-hmm. She's like, Jimmy, you can't be in here. Visiting hours are over. I'm all for it. <laughs> in my opinion. But she she's great bedside manner, yeah, right? She's the whole time she's talking to Lori, she's always like, Okay, well, how are you? And like not trying to stress her out yeah, or anything. You know, we haven't been able to get a hold of your parents. Do you know where they might be? I've <laughs> I also like how later in it she's like the, all the feedback is like 
oh, I, it's not that I'm mad at you. It's that there could be bad consequences for other people. I don't know. I am on her side, although she was a bit brusque. <laughs> she could have a better... At the the houses where the murders happened, I yeah. guess, There, there's a bunch of reporters, mm-hmm. and uh, they're reporting that people were fucking murdered. Yeah, we get a little narration. There's a glamorous reporter in blue, a lady, and... A very young David Dana Carvey from SNL, Whoa. who's one of her assistants. Nice. So the reporter and the assistant originally had like a much bigger role. That makes sense. In the script where they both also died. Oh. Well, it may I was gonna say it makes sense because when there's that little yeah, they focus on arguing, everyone else is complete silhouette except for her. She's right in the middle. Exactly. It's like, because wow. they were supposed to be bigger characters, and then for whatever reason it just their scenes got on the cutting room floor. I actually I'm not sure if they even shot the scenes. They must have. I've read the scenes on in the, the sc- in script form. Ripped editing floor. <laughs> uh Brackett gets there to the house mm-hmm. and he sees Annie and he has a very Jaws moment where he blames Loomis for yeah. letting him out. How could you you knew he was a shark? Damn you. Sorry. What have you done? I haven't done anything. You let him out! I didn't let him out. I, I gave orders for him to be restrained. Right before going away for the rest of the movie, which makes sense. And yeah. we get a switch to uh, Deputy Hunt. Who's sort of like a poet cop. Very naive and insistent that Michael Myers is dead. That was Michael Myers they killed in the fire. Yeah. He has no proof at all to support this. Um, and then total props to Loomis because he pushes for them to get dental records and shit because, as we know, that was not Michael Myers and they've already wasted all, way too much time all the fucking time around. In the world. All the time in the world. It's too late. They haven't even found Alice's body yet, I guess. They haven't found the new body. And if they're canvassing the neighborhood, you would think that that would be something oh, yeah. that they would find Search pretty... every house. Yeah. Comes up later. They don't find her corpse. Also, why is nobody mentioning Lester's body? The dog from the oh, first movie. True. He's just as much of a victim. <laughs> he really is. They should have mentioned that. It would have had added color to the news reports. And then we meet Karen. Yeah. A woman who gets all of this backstory only for her to meet a very tragic end relatively quickly. It makes no sense. I mean, I'm okay with it, but I don't know. She has to give her friend a ride home. Before going to work, her friend is played by Anne-Marie Martin of Prom Night with Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. And also she's in the Boogans. And as we talked about in our Boogans episode, she wrote Twister. So holy shit. And she married Michael Crichton. She was married to Michael Crichton for a long time. I'm surprised again. Was Twister a Michael Crichton? No. No. Okay. No, no, no. I didn't think so, but I just wanted to be sure because it's the sort of thing that he would write. So Karen is going to be late for work. Because she's a good person. And she keeps her promises. She made a promise to drop her friend off. Even though she's going to be 15 minutes late. (laughs) But here's the thing. I think she can't blame her friend on this. She should have left 15 minutes early. Exactly. Her her friend should have come to get her half an hour early. They were too busy bobbing for apples and real water. They hated this party, though. (laughs) They both say it, how lame the party was. And there's this kid who is carrying a gigantic boombox. Just listening to the news. Yeah, the news, man. And he walks by and right into Michael, which then lets Michael know that Lori's at the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Thanks. Why do they tell you that? Ultimately, he ends up getting there at the same time as Karen. And then there's a spooky shot of him in Karen's like side mirror. mirror. Yeah, yeah, side mirror. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wonder if we could deduce... Oh, also, this is the exact same mask that they used in the first movie. Oh, nice. I was going to say, I wonder if they could deduce, one, how fast Michael Myers walked based on... Yeah, I I think I mentioned that uh, in my notes later. When they're, like, all running outside, I'm like, well, we know it's at least a 15-minute walk to downtown. Yeah, get going. That's not that bad. Get started now. (laughs) And that's just downtown. But the other para, paramedic, I was yeah. going to say paranorman for some reason. The worst person. Janet, Jimmy, they're all watching the news, report about the murders, and Bud is 
he's like that gross asshole character from 80s movies yeah. where he just talks about how much he wants pizza with extra sausage. So this whole murder thing is just, he doesn't take it seriously. And, and peppers. He, he It just makes him so hungry. No mushrooms. And he's smoking a joint with using like a medical clamper as a roach clip. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Because you're either driving or fucking throwing some Band-Aids on someone who just fell off a building or whatever. <laughs> Don't do this. Meet, meet the security guard, Mr. Garrett, because he has to let Karen in through the door. Yeah, you got to buzz and your... He gets really fucked up later. You got to buzz your employees in, but anyone off the street can just <laughs> wander inside the exactly. front Exactly. I don't know. It's weird. And then back with Janet. She is the first one to get really tired of Bud's shit. Oh, definitely. Every word you say is either hell or damn. Sorry, I guess I just fuck up all the time. Oh no, he said it again. And then she angrily leaves and Karen comes in and she's like, oh, hey, bud. And then she leaves because she's got to get on the ward. Yeah, because she's late. And then uh, Bud says, he sings a song for Jimmy. Amazing grace, come sit on my face. Don't make me cry, I need your pie. But why don't you just shut up, all right? Gross. Yeah. Jimmy doesn't like it at all. Because this is not the fucking time, bud. Come on, man. People are dead. (laughs) And Karen gets to the maternity ward. Yes. And we see Michael watching her the whole time. He's in with all the babies and their little things. Yeah, he decides to hide with the newborns. And they do not notice Mrs. Alves or Karen. Well, the babies fucking love Michael. They're like, ooh, Ooh, googie, googie, googie. And Mrs. Alves is pissed that Karen's late. You're a good nurse. Would be ashamed to see you go. See? She's like being like, it's not that I'm mad. It's one of these babies potentially could have died. I think she's an effective manager. Yeah, but I think she could be a little bit more like, listen, like it's not. She's a woman in a powerful position in 19... 81. You know what? That's a woman of color in a power. Exactly. Position. It's got to be hard. Exactly. I can't Good, imagine. Excellent point. Anyways. Back in Lori's room, Jimmy tells her that it was Michael Myers who was trying to kill her. And she just can't believe it. She's like, what? The kid from the story? From the Myers house? All that time ago? I thought that was just a witch's tale. And then she asks, why her? You should have handled it more carefully. Michael Myers. Michael Myers? Yeah, he he was the guy that was after you. In the Myers house? That little kid who killed his sister? Yeah. But he's in a hospital somewhere. He escaped last night. How do you know? It's all over the radio. Television, too. It's on right now. Why me? Why me? Uh, I think you know why. Her whole world sure gets shaken by these two movies, eh? Like, friends dead. Both of her crushes are dead. Her savior dies. Well, not really. It... It's unclear. Picking up in part four, yeah. but uh, she finds out she's Michael Myers' sister. She gets injured. She, finds, she remembers that she was adopted. <laughs> she gets injured severely. Yeah, a couple times. Like, no wonder by the time Halloween 2018 came out, yeah. she was like, hey, I'm having a bad time. <laughs> I need help. Oh, no, help me. And Mrs. Elvez tries to get a hold of her parents, who were at the same party as the doctor, but they aren't there now. And they aren't answering their phone. See, this is why I was suspicious. Because I, I asked you after we watched this, were they in on something? Yes. They aren't. They, they aren't. weren't. But also, this movie takes does not take into account the Black Thorn thing. Like, that was not something that was planned at all with this. Fair enough. That came back after the outcry following three, not having Michael and everything. I just felt like her being like, listen later like when she when laurie has that flash flashback of like i'm not your mother yeah. it seemed like 
something very cruel to say to a child, <laughs> like intentionally cruel. And then they're like, hey, let's bring you to see your crazy old brother. I don't know. So she tries to call Lori's parents again, and we find out that the phones aren't working. Oh, no. <laughs> and Mrs. Alves sends Janet to go tell the guard about the phones. Yeah, and Janet complains. It's all the way down the hall. What is wrong with you? Who cares? <laughs> and You're going to the... Their plan is that he's going to go outside, and then he's going to radio her. But he doesn't teach her how to use the brick that he has disguised <laughs> as a radio. And I mean, like, this is twice the size of, like, 80s phones. And he ends up getting cat scared in a dumpster where there's blood. He's got to check that dumpster. And then he finds a broken padlock, and he goes to investigate, which I suppose is technically his job, despite mm -hmm. being a really dumb decision in a and he's movie like, like this. Do -do -do -do. I'm moving really slowly. Do -do -do. And he tries to tell Janet that someone broke into the storeroom and they should go and like one of them needs to drive to the sheriff immediately. Because there's no phones. However, Janet is apparently a total idiot and she can't get that crazy Don newfangled radio to work. Well, she keeps, well, first of all, he should have showed her and just been like, don't touch it, just look at it. So his calls go totally unheeded. And uh, yeah, Mr. Garrett keeps investigating these rooms. And Consecutive broken locks. Sees another unlocked door, garbage falls on him, oh, and no. then another one, Not and there's the nothing in room. there. And then when he closes that door, there's Michael, and he gets a hammer in the head. Ouch. A hammer in the head. Was it the claw end? or the? Yes, the claw end yeah. of the hammer. That's the business end. Yikes, as far no as thank you. No. Yeah, I also agree. Absolutely no. If you ever offered to me to, to smash my head with the claw end of a hammer... Michael certainly uses no. a collection of tools to kill people in this one. You know what I mean? He's he's trying to get his feel. He's got a wealth of weapons. It's he like a Jason amount of weapons. I guess uh, in a hospital, there's probably a lot of tools specifically designed for taking the human body <laughs> exactly. apart. So <laughs> you know what? You're totally right. But I, I mean, I guess he doesn't. It. Well, <laughs> no, but like he uses the hammer, which is not a hospital tool. He uses fire no it's, you know whatever who cares a at, rope at the me's office they start doing dental tests on ben tramer's body and the me is wearing a beautiful sweater yeah it's like breathtaking touching those pearly whites with his little pen clip and they were very white for someone who just died in a fireball they think he's like 17, 18 years old, which sort of lines up with it being Michael because he's 21. No fillings. What kind of sick bastard makes it to <laughs> 17 years years old without having fillings? And they can't positively identify the guys. So Hunt decides to send all of the cops back out on the mm -hmm. streets like patrol. And things are really getting crazy in Haddonfield because the town starts pelting the Myers house oh, with rocks yeah. and shit. Take that house. You killed all those kids. I feel like with a mob, it, would, it wouldn't it would be too hard to just tear a house down. Especially that house. It's been abandoned since for 15 for years. For 15 years. Yeah. Hunt and Loomis get there and Loomis does like a whole thing about how they have a right to be angry because one of their own has been taken. Yeah, it's a pack mob mentality. And the lighting design in these scenes... Is really fantastic. Yeah. It was like red, blue, and green. The green off the dashboard. It was uh, great. I really stuff, liked yeah. it. It looked really, really, really good. And Loomis does a monologue about Michael's history and how he always knew he was evil. It's his anniversary, Mr. Hunt. He came back. After 15 years? He waited with extraordinary patience. There was a force inside him biding its time. The staff grew accustomed to his immobility and silence. In many ways, he was the ideal patient. He, he didn't talk, he didn't cry, he didn't even move. He just waited. The staff was unprepared. They didn't know what he was. Did you know? Yeah, I knew. Then a pair of teen boys, one of which is Billy Warlock from Society. Oh, nice. They show up and they are really worried about Bennett Tramer, who was wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. He was drunk. He didn't show up home. So they're they're like worried about him. Do you think 
Billy Warwick is Dick Warwick's son. Billy Warlock. Warlock. Yes, he is. Interesting. Yes. I think the kid with the radio is also his son. Nice. So yeah. he's, it's a family affair. Yeah. Well, he's Michael Excellent. Myers, man. He calls all the shots. Yeah. He gets to the side who bumps into him. The police get an alert that there was like a break-in at an elementary school, so mm-hmm. then they're off. They, they gotta go. They leave this place. Wee-oo, wee-oo. At the hospital, Karen gets buzzed, um, but when she goes to the room, she just gets grabbed by Bud, who's, who's horny as heck. fucking asshole, and it's like a Exorcist 2 or 3 style like nurse walking down the hallway shot. She seems to hate him, but they're boning? Well, immediately he's like, ah, oh, negging her, like, oh, you know, like all this shit. We gotta go hang out in the hydrotherapy tub. She has, which doesn't go well for her at she all. She has babies to look after. Exactly, newborn children. Sids could happen at any time. Exactly, literally any time. <laughs> Usually at night. She I was right to be wary of go- of leaving her duties, but I guess yeah, she had to. I hate she would have died either way. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> she doesn't want to leave the kids, but it. I don't know. It really doesn't seem yeah. like it's too big of a deal for her. Let's shirk our duties. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Lori gets all these flashbacks to herself as a child that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, of like her mom telling her she isn't her mother. What? And her visiting Michael in the hospital. What? Why are you doing this? <laughs> it is a little, little heavy-handed. Ouch. Um, but I mean, it- if you fought to steal the court records, why would you just be like, listen, you little bitch. <laughs> I'm hanging up my laundry right now. I'm dressed like I'm on Dallas. And you are not my daughter. (laughs) And then it's the hot tub scene. Oh, yeah. We're in this disgusting medical device that people who are dying have to use. Karen strips down as Bud watches. um, And then she gets in the seemingly hot tub. But the water was actually ice cold, according to the two actors. Whoa. It seemed so hot. I think it, they were just like bubbling it. That's dumb. It starts getting super hot in there. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because the camera would probably fog up. Uh, I don't true. know. That I sucks know. for them. And then Michael starts, Michael, Michael starts turning the temperature way up on them. Yeah. Not a great way to go. Especially when it's like a boiled frog. Like, oh, it's. Is it really getting warmer in here? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> she sends Bud to go check, and mm-hmm. you see his butt. Always appreciate at least some male nudity in these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, then Karen starts getting her towel, and in the background, we see Michael kill Bud. Yeah, he s- strangles him to death. I really liked it. Silently. And so much of this movie is so effective. And fog through the glass. And then when he's dispatched with Bud... Uh, he, he comes, comes up behind her. Yeah. She thinks it's just Bud, and she starts, Ooh. like, sucking his thumb. Ooh. Yikes. He would have dirty hands. You know he would. And then he grabs her and scalds her to death by dunking her head in Repeatedly. the boiling water. I don't understand why he didn't just, like, be like, whoosh, here, I'm making soup now. The actor got an ear infection because the water was so cold and dirty. Gross. Yeah, that sucks for her. I hope she got SAG benefits so that she could go to a doctor. I guess so. She had a speaking role in the movie. Then we go to the elementary school, and they look at this trail of blood yeah. and a knife stuck into a child's drawing of a family. Into the, the sister. sister. Ah. And on the board, Sam Hain, as they pronounce it, has been written. I think it's pronounced Sawin, right? Yeah, I thought so. Anyway, Maybe they only ever the saw it written down. Celtic word for basically halloween i know it's not it's close right something like that it's like the pagan celebration of what have you the harvesty season nurse chambers from the first movie shows up she demands to speak with loomis she tells him that the governor has summoned him back to smith's grove yeah because this is a media nightmare they don't want to put any negative attention on this hospital because of all the good work that they do and there's a marshal waiting for him outside just to escort them back. Wow. Loomis is so special and lucky. <laughs> this would suck. The governor loves him so much. He wants to hold him I close. feel like this would be probably something that would actually happen, though. I don't know. It's like a feat, especially today, like a feasible political thing, right? Yeah, that's true. But it would be harder today with the, all of the cameras and everything. Get but... me the state's marshals. I want Loomis back in the facility. And by oh. 12 gendered hours, please. 
Jimmy sneaks back into Lori's room and he tells her that he won't let anything happen to her. Yeah. Which is a mighty big promise to um, make, dude. And like, what if you get another call, which you do later in the movie? But then he realizes that Lori is like totally catatonic. Badly stunned with her eyes wide open in terror. And Janet runs to go get the doctor, which doesn't work out well for her. No. His shower's on, but Doc Mixer is super dead in his office. He gets his own shower? Yeah. Nice. It's that thing where he's sitting in the chair and she's talking to the back of his head. Doctor, come on. And then it spins around and you see that he's super dead. Yeah. And uh, he's got a needle in his eye. And then from behind her, the mask slowly gets visible. And then he injects brain into her Or he injects brain into her air. Air into her brain. I mean, sign me up for that as opposed to some of these deaths. I feel like that would be very fast. Yes, it would be. The actress, Anna Alicia Ortiz, actually smashed her face off Ooh. the desk doing a take and had to get stitches. Ooh, I hope they and the used whole time, that take. No. No. They, they used one of her falling on the floor. She was like, you should use it. You should use it. <laughs> it's real blood. And they just like didn't use it. Um, That's trash. Nurse Jill and mm-hmm. Jimmy stay with Lori. I liked Nurse Jill, even though we really don't find anything yeah, out about her other too. than she's there. She was various, like... Oh, I, yikes. Something's <laughs> up, and I better check myself. Jimmy goes to go get Mrs. Alves, and uh, Jill gets a like a beep, a buzzer thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, so scary. So, so loud. She closes the door and leaves, and then we see Michael come with a scalpel, but Lori has already fled, so he just yeah. ends up stabbing the pillow. All the She put a decoy pillow under there. I loved it. She she has a very hard time trying to get away. I mean, she's shit. doped up. Seventies barbiturates. I guess this was the eighties, but it said in the seventies. So yeah, like seventies barbiturates. True. And all of the trauma. And I guess that explains why she was so like, yeah, give me a coke. I'll t- sure give me a coke. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, uh, that are there other movies where it's like the protagonist is getting away and they're badly fucked up? From the killer? Yes. Can I think of any examples now? No. Me but either. definitely, there's some. For some reason, the only one that's coming to my mind is uh, What Lies Beneath. But I know there mm. are other ones where it's like, oh, it happens in Horror House on Highway 5, uh, where someone will like get drugged oh, yeah. by like a, like, a assailant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like trying to get away. I guess climax. Although I don't well, know if that's a horror. But. It, it is a horror in ways. I think then Jill comes back to the room and she sees that Lori's gone. Now she's got to try and find her. Where's Lori? This whole movie is people looking for other people frantically. There's a couple shots of Michael walking down the hallways in this movie that I thought were pretty scary and like very good. Well, I liked this part when she's she goes to the security office because we see information that she can't possibly see. Exactly. But it's right there. Ah! She tries the phone again, but there's obviously nothing. Um, She just ends up curling into a ball, which I think is honestly the best solution. Oh my God. Put yourself in a little box. Do you think Michael could realistically, or even movie realistically, search everywhere in the hospital before the police and stuff showed up? No. I think you could totally hide. I mean, there's going to be more people coming to the hospital because of all the corpses and everything anyways. So that seems like a very understaffed hospital (laughs) for the number of uh, news media that are in town. Jill tries to find Mr. Garrett, but she only ends up finding his hat. Uh Uh-oh, it's a bad sign. And we see Michael on the security cameras walking down these halls. And then she comes back and we see her on the security camera but she ends up getting sweeped by Jimmy, who says he can't find anyone. And oh, he tells no. her to go get in her car and leave, drive down to the sheriff's office. Yeah, I've got to go save Lori because I'm the chivalrous. Well, one. he's got to try and find her. Yeah. He's going to go take another look in the East Wing. The East Wing, the spookiest of all wings. <laughs> Michael can hear the whole thing. He's like in the room by mm-hmm. where they're talking. Yikes. So that's not great. He, he's he got a great sense of timing. Jimmy does end up finding Mrs. Alves, and she's been like totally exsanguinated oh, that must of have, all of her blood, which is in a huge pool on the floor. That must have been so painful. 
I feel so bad for her. She did not deserve that. And he immediately slips and smashes his head on the floor. Hilarious. That was the only take. Visiting hours are over. (laughs) Sir. Jill goes to get in her car, but the engine won't start because Michael is way ahead of them on this shit. He slashed all of their tires. Um, She sees that every tire is slashed. Like a truly sick realization that must have been. And she goes back inside. And honestly, (sighs) if it was me, I would just start walking. Because like we said, how far is this hospital from anywhere else, right? Run, 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 Michael and Karen got there at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming it's at least a 15-minute walk, we said, right? To downtown. Because she was 15 minutes late. Mm -hmm. She said it's like five minutes to her friend's her house. friend's house five, five minutes, minutes to her house, house and then five minutes to the hospital so really it's probably only five minutes by car away true you're right and that's just like the downtown area so you know like there's gonna be other houses but also she's in a car so i think you should give michael at least some walking time you that's know what true. i mean well so, I, see what the way i saw it it took him 15 minutes to walk yeah there. yeah yeah it only because took- that's the total amount of time she was out yes Right. Exactly. I think we were both saying the same thing. So Good. I'm just like getting confused with each other. Listeners, put it together. Do the math. <laughs> Calculate how how fast uh, uh, Lori... this is where things start really kicking off, right? I yes. mean, they kind of already have, but mm-hmm. Lori decides to switch her hiding places, um, oh. which is not a great idea, but she's no. on drugs, so I yeah. get it. Jill comes in at a very unfortunate time and finds her, but then she ends up getting stabbed in the back oh, with a scalpel. Ooh, she's like, Lori, no, like, come to me. And then uh, just right as the she spine. passes an uh, open doorway, he creeps out of there and lifts her up. Her shoes fall off. That's how you know she's she dead. She was in a harness for the scene, like Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And uh, a nice thing about the production they were like, you're getting paid stunt pay, too, for today. Oh, good. Yeah. That's nice of them. I hope What's-Her-Face did, too, when she smacked open her face. <laughs> and the shoes falling off was actually the idea of the costume designer. Good. That's She funny. was, like, stoked to get that in the movie. She was like, I'm going to have her wearing clogs, and they're going to fall off when she's dead. Good. That makes perfect <laughs> sense, too. Because usually when you're, like, lifted up like that and you're in loose shoes, you got your like toe pressure on them. Exactly. I don't know what your game's like, but when I'm on the monkey bars, that's what I'm doing. Lori sees the whole thing, but she's really fucked up. Uh, yeah. She still starts running. It's a very long and good chase scene. It's one of the best, I would say, oh. in any of these movies. Oh, I felt so bad for her. It's so dark and scary. I mean, you're in a hospital already. That's terrifying, as it is, even without the psycho killer. She goes downstairs. She finds the body of Mr. Garrett. Ooh. And then she climbs through this like little window in the nick of time. Yes. Tatum wishes. As I feel like I keep bringing up Tatum in all of these that's movies. That's fine, man. He's but like, I think this was referential. Like, Scream was referential, though. Wildly swinging his little knife around to try to get her at this time yeah and then oh uh, she falls into a big pile of medical waste like i think it's mostly boxes right and glass there's broken glass all over the ground and she gets away for now and she has to run to this elevator and there's this very scary red lighting and you can hear michael crunching on broken glass as he like gets closer closer it's very scary i and obviously referenced in uh, I know what you did last summer with Helen's chase, Closer, right? Closer. Like she's running And away. he's moving so slowly, and this fucking elevator is moving so fucking slowly. And when it finally opens, it's like the bathroom in The Shining almost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah, like, it's like wood paneled, right? Which is gross. It's it's orange, orange and chrome, and it's just like whoa! Like this is does not belong with the rest of this, <laughs> like scene because he's, she's coming from like the workshop and stuff yeah. so it's like very much like ooh, almost like she's going to a spaceship or something she does manage to get away and she gets outside and gets into a car mm-hmm. and jill's car i think it was maybe i think it I was think, uh I jimmy's car oh i guess that makes sense later. yeah 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 and she hides in the front it's a great callback to her like looking over the couch from the first movie oh Oh, and she's like looking over the dashboard. What are you going to do? Because you have to look. Because mm-hmm. how are you going to prepare? Very scary shit. And I felt bad for her because at first I was like, why don't you go to the fucking car? But 
you got to take the first hiding spot because what if he's right behind you? Exactly. I don't know, man. It's a lot of calculus that you got to do to keep yourself alive in, in <laughs> these sorts of movies. And we get more of Loomis and Chambers um, in the, the car being driven out of town. Yeah. He tells Marianne about the Druid fire rituals where they would like burn things alive in baskets. And to then see the future. She drops the bomb on him that Laurie Strode is Michael's sister. Dr. Loomis, please listen to me. There's a file on Michael Myers that nobody knew about. I've seen everything. No, no, it was hidden, sealed by the court after his parents were killed. Now, after the governor heard what happened tonight, he authorized Dr. Rogers to open it. What file? It isn't fair. They should have allowed you to examine everything. That girl, that Strode girl, that's Michael Myers' sister. She was born two years before he was committed. Two years after, his parents died and she was adopted by the Strodes. They requested that the records be sealed in order to protect the family. Jesus, don't you see what he's doing here in Haddonfield? He killed one sister 15 years ago. Now he's trying to kill the other. The file was sealed There's or whatever for a, bullshit A locked reasons. file. The court sealed it. Loomis mm-hmm. makes... The marshal turn around and go to the hospital because he whips out his gun. And then shoots it out of the window. Like, here it is, baby. Now I'm going to jail. At the hospital, we see a shape creep up on the car. And it gets in, but it's just Jimmy. Just old Jimmy. Unfortunately, he seems to have severe brain damage or something. Yeah, he tries to start it, but it won't start. Because it's busted. And then he tells Lori it's all right. And they're going to get out. And then he... Seemingly dies of his head trauma and lands on the car. Or like passes out again, which I mean, he fell fully onto his back of his. Yeah, I think he's dead. (laughs) Oh boy, oh that would have hurt. But I did like the idea of him walking around just covered in blood all over his. Yeah, that was spooky. Lori like falls out of the car. Well, she tries to start it first. Yes, but she she can't, and I think she wisely gives up on it. And then she sees the headlights from Loomis and company. And she tries to run for help and like get them to notice her, but Mm -hmm. she unfortunately can't scream until she's already inside or like they're inside. In the soundproof chamber of the main hospital. Great scream. I think it's the only time she really screams in this movie. Yeah. Well, you got it. If you're only going to do it once, you better save it for good use. I felt she... When I was talking earlier about that animalistic crawling, this is yeah. exactly what I was talking Dragging herself across the pavement in a very scary way. And then she runs into Michael. And she so she books it to the door, mm-hmm. but they're locked. So it's like in the first movie where she's banging on the door trying oh, to get them to true. open it. Wow, there's a lot of parallels. I didn't realize that, but that makes sense. It was good, though, because they weren't like so on the nose that you're like, they already did this in the last one. <laughs> But finally, Loomis opens the door and lets her in. Mm-hmm. And M- Michael just walks right through the, yeah. the glass. Lock or no lock. He's a force of nature. He is in these ones. And Loomis shoots him a bunch and he goes yeah. down again. And then this the, the, the state trooper is like, uh, oh, it's fine. Look, he's, he's dead or whatever. Marion goes out to the car mm-hmm. to radio for help. And then the marshal like bends down to check Michael's pulse while Loomis is like consoling uh, Lori, so he doesn't see because he would have been like, "Get away!" <laughs> you know he would have. He gets his throat slit with a scalpel. Ouch! And I guess that's you know they buy good scalpels at this hospital at least because it cuts very well. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. So Loomis and Lori run into the guts of the hospital. Closely followed by Michael. Mm-hmm. Hot on their heels. The score of this movie is beyond fantastic. Very, like, jarring at times. Just great. Reminded me, like, Disaster Piece reminded me of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael gets the two of them trapped in a surgery room, I think. Yeah. Right? Because there's a bunch of tanks for oxygen and, and Ether other, and shit. Yeah. Loomis tries to give Lori a gun, but she doesn't want no. to. And she, like, cowers in the corner. I mean, not the best spot, but Michael just bursts through the door. There's he punches through the window and then just like yeah, you can see his his face for a while in the square window, and that is mirrored in H two O when she's like looking at him through oh nice circular window. Yeah, that's true. 
Good point. So uh, he comes in and goes after Lori. Yeah, he stabs Loomis, and then he starts going after mm-hmm. Lori, but he stops when she says his name, and then she shoots him in both of his eyes. Yeah, ouch. And blood streams down both sides of his face. Which was pretty intense. Like Pretty a, good, I yeah. think, right? Like very... Uh, like the Madonna almost? Yeah. There was a... Like when that uh, the the head nurse was dead, it reminded me of that poet suicide painting ah. where she's in the bath. I don't know. I'll show it to you later. So Michael is now blind and he mm-hmm. starts just wildly swinging his scalpel around whoosh, at Lori. Whoosh, whoosh, like a samurai sword cutting through the air. Loomis starts turning on all of the gas and so does Lori. And the sound confuses him. Yeah, plus I guess just getting bombarded with ether would do yeah, that to you. and getting shot in the face <laughs> twice. Loomis tells Lori to run and she does. And then he lights a lighter and kaboom. Whole thing, Whole goes, thing up, goes up in Just flame. like it actually would, which is pretty scary when you think about it. But Surgical fires are actually common. Really? Yeah. Like, well, not unheard of, like a regular, not a regular occurrence, but a f- routine occurrence. I see. Yeah. Because of the high oxygen environment. That makes sense. Yeah. Michael doesn't die, though. He walks out all on fire and mm-hmm. stuff. And if I were Lori... I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Nobody knew how big the fire would be, apparently. Even the, like, stunt guy. It was so big. Yeah. It was pretty fucking scary. And they got him walking for a long time. He does a couple steps, and then he, like, falls down dead. Lori's like, oh, finally. Finally. (laughs) Finally. Now he just got to cut off his head and throw it in the ocean or whatever. The next morning, the cops talk about how there's 10 victims so far. So far. Uh-oh. Reporters try and talk to Lori as she's loaded into the ambulance. I hope the babies didn't explode. Oh, yeah. I, well, it doesn't look like the whole hospital. I think That's they would have gotten it pretty quickly. That's true. That's very, very true. Uh, yeah. So they load her into the ambulance and they drive off into the smoke. And she wants to ride up front, but that's not procedure. And then it just shows her in the back as Mr. Sandman plays. Thinking about Michael on fire. <laughs> So originally, it was going to end with Lori getting into the ambulance, and then it shows her doing that like side face thing, and then mm-hmm. we see like a white sheet sit up behind her. Ah, uh, the corpse. But it's just huh? Jimmy. Oh, he's alive. Oh, Jesus Christ! But he in in the ultimate mm-hmm. cut of it, he's not alive. Nice. He, he he's dead. But, yeah, it was even a surprise to like the director and Lance Guest that it got cut out. But apparently it was like a contentious thing with John Carpenter where he didn't like the original edit of the movie. So then he like re-edited it. Ooh, himself. that's got to suck yeah. for the director. But I mean, if you're John Carpenter, I don't blame you for being percent oh, over, you know, your idea, your script. <laughs> I mean, thankfully, I don't think I need to do a six degrees of Jamie Lee for this movie. Yeah. How do you like this movie? I feel like you've it seen was, this only like a couple times. I've only seen it a couple times, but watching it now i think mainly because we started watching it at like five o'clock mm-hmm. instead of usually like when we we're watching it later at night yeah it was very the the way that they drew out the tension and it's the use very of silence i really like it and the dark very scary and like while we're while we were watching i was like oh this reminds me of this this reminds me of this like you could see where people have drawn inspiration from this movie yes yeah. i agree with you yeah the idea to do the sequel was like largely, of course, because of the huge financial success that yeah, the I first bet. Halloween was. I bet. Initially, like the people involved weren't super stoked about the idea because they thought the first one was good enough mm-hmm. and they didn't want to repeat themselves. And John Carpenter only agreed to do it because um, like one of the conditions was he got to do the fog first. Nice. And this was like all of the doing of one of the producers, Erwin Yablin's. And so after they had like come up with this agreement, mm-hmm. he was sitting on a plane to Khan and he was sitting beside Robert Remy, the guy from Avco Embassy Films. Okay. And they got to talking about like John Carpenter and how Yablins was going to do two more films with him, The Fog and then Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't too long after that plane ride, I guess, when Remy called Yablins and said that he was going to do The Fog with John Carpenter. <gasps> like stole it oh no so then uh erwin yablin sued both of them john carpenter and robert remy and uh it was determined that 
Avco would keep the the fog and Yablins would get Halloween too. Interesting. That mm-hmm. must have been shitty working through that afterwards. <laughs> Probably. Deborah Hill and John Carpenter wrote the script again. Um, they wrote like one and then Yablins hated it. He said it was pedestrian predictable. Mm. Tommy Wallace, who is also maybe going to be the director of this movie yep. at one point, um, he also hated it and thought it went against everything that they'd done in the first movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Yavlin said that he didn't want anyone to see any violence or gore in the movie, but Carpenter argued that like since the original movie came out, horror movies had changed. Yeah. Because it was the beginning of the slasher movie genre, really. And he couldn't just do the same thing over again when all of these other movies were doing other things. You got to push the envelope. Like Tommy Wallace pulled out of it because he didn't want to do the gore. He was like, no, I don't want to do it. If there's going to be gore. Whoa. Yeah. Got to preserve that clean cut image, I guess. Exactly. It's, it's weird. So Mm -hmm. it ultimately ended up getting directed by Rick Rosenthal who had the same agent as Carpenter and like he was ultimately like Carpenter's choice as the person to replace him. Well, and he good. wanted to make it look as much like the original as possible. And like he got together with uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill and they all agreed it would be cool if Halloween 2 picked up right at the end of Halloween. So it was more of a continuation as yeah. opposed to like a sequel. I thought it was really effective. And originally the familial link between Laurie and Michael wasn't in there, but it ended up getting added in. Um, the DP was the same as the first movie. His mm-hmm. name is Dean Cundy. So prior to like landing this movie or agreeing to do this movie, mm-hmm. he had met with Steven Spielberg because he was potentially going to be doing poltergeist but he turned oh, wow. poltergeist down to do halloween too wow interesting because it was, would have been very different yeah he'd gotten such a, a good opportunity from the first movie that he didn't want to turn it down mm-hmm. so he decided to pass on poltergeist um a lot of the cast members were unknowns who the director knew from an acting class that he was taking oh wow all the same acting class that's funny lots of them i think it was karen janet there's like lots of them. Yeah, nice. And they brought the character of the nurse back to like round it up. Makes sense. Yeah. Interesting, Continuity. Right? The hospital that they used was actually by an airport. So oh. there was like lots of times where in the middle of a scene there would be like an airplane that went over top and it would fuck everything up. That has to suck in a huge way. It 100% Especially when you're would. filming on film. Yikes. Expensive. Very expensive. I guess that's it, though. Hey, man, you're right. And that's our Halloween, the Halloween episode from the year. Happy Halloween. It's been a count, count up till now. Ghouls I, and goblins. Again, we don't really know if we're going to end up doing a, a mini, a DFB short review of The Lighthouse, but... We'll have to leave you in so, suspense. And I mean, even if you don't listen to those episodes, which totally get, um, I guess we'll say ha- we hope you have a happy Halloween and... Hope you're safe and don't get murdered by Michael Myers. Happy Halloween. But if you do get murdered by Michael Myers, write in. Yeah, Let us know. definitely. Or you could write a review of this podcast to help us out with the algorithms. If you want to follow us on social media, uh, definitelyfirstblood at gmail.com is our email. If you want to send us a missive. Visit us on Instagram, definitelyfirstblood. Or on Twitter, deffirstblood, because definitelyfirstblood is too long. Yeah. And you'll get to see some awesome artwork yeah. made for every episode. So again, we probably, well, no, we 100% will not be uh, an episode next Friday, like a full-length episode, because Halloween Thursday, we're not going to want to do that on Thursday, because that's when we normally record. And I guess that's it. So bye. Bye. bye.